Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, I want to say welcome to all of you, all of our campuses, Bluntstown, Chipley, Fairhope, Wakulla, and Mariana. Man, it's so good to have all of you. As we're like our second week of this year, and we're all kind of getting started, and we're kind of it's like a fresh start for a lot of us. And so we are doing a series, two-week series, and today's our last week of it, entitled Wishful Thinking. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back online and, and watch or listen to that, uh, because I'm telling you, it's just going to be really foundational for what we wish for you this year. And so to get us started in our conversation today, I want to ask you another question. Last week, we let off with a question. I'll reintroduce those questions in a little bit. But today, I want you to think about another question as we begin, and that is this. When's the last time something happened in your life that can only be explained by God? Think about that. Has anything happened recently in your life that can only be explained by God? Maybe in the last year, in the last six months, maybe in the last three months. I mean, like, have you even ever had one of those moments? Now, here's what also we know. We realize that some of you that are with us today on some of our campuses, I mean, like, you're not followers of Jesus Christ, and you don't really consider yourself to be a church person, and we're just so glad that you're here. In fact, some of you, you're just kind of exploring this whole idea of faith, and some of you are, like, really skeptical about it. Maybe some of you are maybe even cynical about all this whole faith thing, and, and you just showed up because somebody has invited you and invited you, and thought, okay, I'll get them off, off my back, and I'll show up, and... And here's the thing, we, we kind of get that because many of us on our faith journey, we experience the doubts and the cynicism and the skepticism. So we're just glad that you're here. In fact, matter, we realize that, you know, if we had experienced some of the things that you've experienced in your life, maybe seen some of the things that you've seen, maybe experienced some of the disappointments or the difficulties that you've experienced, that we would feel the same way that you do. In other words, we know that if you're cynical or skeptical or you have some doubts or questions, I mean, you have a pretty good reason to have those feelings and those opinions. But here's the thing. I wonder this. I wonder if you might have a different view. Maybe that you would believe differently. If you had seen people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ living lives that had moments that are unexplainable apart from God. Not, not that you had those moments every day or those Christ followers had those moments every day or every week, but what if those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we could point to something in the past year, in the past six months, in the past three months, in the past couple weeks, and say something like this, hey, let me share with you an experience that I had with God, and there is no explanation apart from the fact that God showed up and God did this amazing thing in my life. I mean, it wasn't just a coincidence. It was a God thing. Now, now here's what we know. If you're, if you're not a Christ follower, you understand this, that we Christians are like the worst at pointing to things that are explainable, things that are just kind of a coincidence and, and claiming that they're like evidence of activity of God in our life. And, and we're not talking about those kind of things when we're talking about God kind of experiences. See, we're talking about like legitimate experiences that a normal, logical, rational human being, like whether they're a follower of Jesus Christ or not a follower of Jesus Christ, would have to look at that and say, 
I don't know how you can explain that apart from God. Which is why we wonder, and which is why we lead off with this question. How many people who don't follow Jesus would consider following him more if more of us who say we are followers of Jesus had those kind of personal experiences to share? Which leads us to this next thought. And that's for those of you that call yourselves followers of Jesus Christ. It's important for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, to begin to ask ourselves this question. When's the last time something happened in your life that can only be explained by God? See, see if the last time was like a long time ago, that really should get your attention. It should cause you to stop and consider why, why? In fact, last week, we ask you two other questions to kind of get you set up to thinking about this question. And the first question that we said last week is this, is like, so where are you now? Like, where are you at right now in your family relationships, in your friendships, and in your finances? And even more than that, like, where are you at right now with your faith and your relationship with God? And all of those are important questions. Because every one of them make us look back and go, have we had a God experience, a God-sized experience that can only be explained because God showed up and did something in our lives? And this question here is also important because every one of us, we have like dreams and we have goals and we have all these intentions. But you really have to be honest with yourself and ask yourself like, where are you now? And it isn't really where you want to be. Because see, the truth is, you can't get to where you want to go until you're honest with yourself about where you're at right now. And that leads us to the second question, and that is this. Like, where will you be? So once you discover where you're at right now, like, where are you going to be in a year from now? Like, here's the thing. You're going to be somewhere 12 months from now, looking back over the 12 months that are in front of you, and will you be where you want to be? Well, what's going to be your story? What will the story be? And here's the good news. You get to write your story between now and the end of this year. But the thing you have to understand is it will be your decisions, not your intentions, that determine the destination and the story that you experience throughout this year. So what story do you want to tell about your life at the end of this year? Like, where will you be? Now, here's why we're, we're kicking off 2019 with these questions. See, we believe, as we said last week, that many of you are like just one decision away from moving to like where you are now to where you want to be. And those decisions that you make through this year, I mean, it is our wish for you that you get to be where you want to be. In fact, here's how we said it. This, this is really our wish for you that will move you from where you are now to where you want to be. Here's what we said. Our wish for you is to take a courageous step of faith that cost you something. 
Now, when we say take a courageous step of faith, and we don't mean something all mystical, we're not saying that you should try to manufacture something to try to do some kind of crazy thing to make people think it's this amazing step of faith, but we wish that you would take a step of faith that compels you to trust God to the core of your being with all your heart, because here is what we know. If you will take a courageous step of faith that costs you something, one year from now, you will be where you want to be with a story that can only be explained by God. But to get from here to there, don't miss this, it's going to require faith and it's going to require trust. Now the reason we say it's going to require faith and trust is this, is because faith and trust are only necessary when doubt and fear exist. So you have to understand, if there's no doubt and if there's no fear, then there's no need for faith and there's no need for trust. So what you need to understand is this, is if you choose to pay attention to the internal nudges that God is giving you to take a step in some area of your life, as we talked about those nudges last week, you're going to feel fear and you are going to encounter doubt in your life. We can guarantee that. Because here's why. God never nudges you to do something. God never nudges you to do something on your own. God never invites you into something that does not push you out of your comfort zone. So you have to decide. If you're going to trust God and move ahead and take action in spite of fear, even when there is no guaranteed outcome. Now, here's the good news of all of this. Because some of you are like, why would I do that? Why would I do that if I don't know what the outcome is going to be and I have all this fear in my life? See, that kind of fear and that kind of doubt, it's not unique to us in the 21st century. In fact, when you read about Jesus and, and his closest and his earlier followers, what you discover is they struggled with the same fears and they struggled with the same doubts. And, and it didn't just happen like one time and then it was over. I mean, it happened repeatedly over the course of their lives because here's the thing you have to understand. Every step of faith requires facing a new fear. Don't, don't miss that. Every step of faith requires facing a new fear. In fact, there's, there's a story that really illustrates this really well. In fact, if you grew up in church as, and you kind of grew up in church as a kid, you, you've probably heard this story. In fact, there are four people who wrote eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, and three of them, three of them, they included this account in, in their eyewitness account that they wrote about. So let me just kind of give you the context of this particular event that happens. So Jesus' disciples, they have just experienced, don't miss this, Jesus' disciples, they have just experienced, and only God could have done this moment. Key is, they just experienced it. See, they watched Jesus take five loaves of bread and two fishes and multiply them enough to feed over 5,000 people. I mean, that in itself is an unbelievable story. But for the disciples, I mean, it's like completely undeniable because they saw the, that thing with the entire event with their own eyes. But more than that, don't miss this, but more than that, they personally experienced it. 
because they were the ones that handed out the bread and the fish. I mean, they were the ones that kept reaching into their baskets, expecting them to be empty, only to find more bread and to find more fish. And so you can imagine when they get done feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and, and two fishes, I mean, it's like they're pretty energized. They're pretty pumped. And, and so as soon as the clock, you know, they're thinking, man, as soon as the crowd's leaving, we're going to celebrate this. I mean, their adrenaline's like jumping. They're buzzing about what's happened, you know, to them. But what they don't know is there is another test just around the corner. In fact, here's how one of those disciples, Matthew, who was part of that event, describes what happened. Immediately, immediately after it was done, after they had fed the 5,000, I mean, they're ready like, to celebrate this thing. Immediately, Jesus goes, no, no, no. Get in the boat and go on ahead of me to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I mean, it's kind of like everybody's just experienced this amazing only God could have done it moment Nobody wants to leave. The crowd's buzzing. Everybody's pumped. I mean, they all want to enjoy the experience. But where they are now, God knows is not where these disciples need to be. And Jesus knows that. So Jesus makes them get in a boat and go across the Sea of Galilee while he stays behind. And you know, the disciples probably had to be a little bit disappointed because they most likely were thinking something like this. You know, it, like, if we go and you stay, like, how are you going to meet up and how are we going to celebrate this God event? Like, he's not coming along. And Matthew, he continues, here's what he says. After he, referring to Jesus, had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And here's what happened. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, don't miss this. You don't want to miss this. Some of these disciples in this boat, they are like seasoned fishermen. So as we talked about last week, I mean, this lake is kind of like second home to them. They're used to being out on this lake at night fishing because that's when they would fish. But this night, there's this wind that is whipping so badly that in Mark's account, it tells us that these guys, they're just like straining at the oars. I mean, like they're rowing with all their ha they have, and, and they are not going anywhere. And there's no doubt that there's a little bit of fear that is starting to creep into them. And, and some of them are beginning to worry about whether they'll be able to manage or navigate this storm and, and all these ways. And then we discover a little bit later on reading that they're tired and they've been rowing all night. And they're starting to wonder if they really have what it takes. And then Matthew tells us what happens next. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. Now, let me just pause and say this. We realize that this statement right here kind of makes this like an unbelievable story to many of you, okay? And we get that. I mean, like, that's, that's just interesting to see, see this whole thing happen, feeding 5,000 with five loaves, two fishes, now Jesus walking on the water. But we don't really have trouble, or at least I have no trouble believing this for like two reasons. One is this. If Jesus is the creator that he claimed to be, the creator of all things, then it's logical that any creator who has the power to create has the power also to alter the laws of the creation that any way that he desires. 
And we believe that Jesus is who he says he is because he predicted his own death and his resurrection and he pulled it off. And then we have like three separate eyewitness accounts that this happened. So I'm just like good believing that all this happens. Now here's what really where this all gets even more interesting, okay? Verse 26, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. I mean, it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, I just think when you read that, that's just a real reasonable and logical kind of reaction. Because, see, they weren't expecting to see Jesus walking on the water. I mean, like someone walking the water, I mean, it was as unbelievable to them as it is to us. So, like, the only logical explanation for seeing a human figure walking in the water is it's got to be a ghost. I mean, they couldn't come up with any other explanation. And by the way, I think if these guys were making this story up, I mean, do you think they would make a story up that would make them look so faithless? So, it's another reason that I think we can believe this a true account. Verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. Now, if you know about Peter, Peter was kind of the impulsive kind of guy, and sometimes things would come out of his mouth before he really thought about it. This might be one of those situations. He goes, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Now, I I want you to imagine just a moment that you're in the boat. Like, what would you have done in this moment if you were Peter? Like, I'm pretty sure I'm not kind of like leaving the boat. I mean, I used to barefoot water ski a whole lot, and you know that, that was kind of a comfortable, kind of daring kind of thing. But for somebody to look at me and say, hey, you just come on out here in these waves in the storm and walk in this water, like, that's a whole other thing. I mean, because like, I wouldn't barefoot except days where the water was like really smooth, you know? So I'm pretty sure I'm sitting there going, I'm not leaving the boat. I mean, this boat hasn't felt like the safest place all night, but I'm pretty much sure that this boat is a safer place than, than, than out there in that water. It's like, you know, Jesus, you may be out there, but you're like out there in the middle of the waves. You're out there in the middle of all the uncertainty. You're out there in the middle of all the danger. So thank you, Jesus, very much for the invitation to come to you on the water, but I'm just like staying in the boat because it's familiar, it's comfortable, And that's a whole lot more secure than what I'm watching around you. Now, here's where that gets really personal and applicable for us. Familiar, comfortable, and secure. It is the description how most of us have lived our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. See, fear has kept many of us from living and experiencing God's work in our lives at the level that God desired us to experience it. See, like, God has come to many of you and he's nudged many of you to take a step and you're too scared. You're too scared of what could happen or what would happen. Too scared that you might miss out on something better. Too scared that you wouldn't be taken care of by God. Too scared that he might ask you to do something that you don't want to do. Too scared that you might have to give up something that is valuable to you. Too scared that you might 
learn something about yourself that you don't want to learn or too scared that you might learn something about God. Or here's one, too scared that you might have to admit to yourself and to others that you were wrong. See, fear is why so many of us miss what God wants to do in and through our lives. See, fear is what keeps us in the boat, clinging to the sides of that boat for security. Don't miss this. In fact, you might want to write this down. Your boat is whatever represents safety and security to you apart from God himself. See, your boat is that thing that when you think of losing it or leaving it behind, it strikes this fear in you. And anytime God comes along and God nudges you to take a step of faith that would require you to leave the safety and the security of your boat, there is so much fear that rises up in you that it paralyzes you. So you spent like the past years, maybe, maybe the past few years, maybe many years of your life living in a boat, keeping thing, everything as safe and as secure as you can make it around you. It's like you have built your whole life around the safety and the security of your family. For some of you, your family is your boat. For others of you, you've built your life on the safety and the security of your marriage. It's like your marriage is your boat. Or for some of you, it's your friendships. For others of you, it's your career. I mean, you hang on to that career because it's your safety and security. And you are miserable and you're wilting and you're dying as a person in that career. But you're not about to leave that boat. For others of you, it's your money or maybe it's your retirement. For others of you, it's like being liked by others and that's why you're such a people pleaser or that you live kind of like, make people think you have like this certain standard of living or you're projecting this certain kind of image out there. See, nothing produces fear in you like the thought of you losing that thing that you cling to for safety and for security. Whatever that thing is that you cling to for safety and security, that's your boat. But you need to recognize something. There is so much more to life than sitting in a boat. See, choosing to live your life in a boat and just cling to that boat for safety and security I mean, that choice, it costs you. It costs you so much more than you know. It it costs you growing in your faith. I mean, after a while, because you're clinging to that boat for safety and security, your faith gets boring. You get into this comfortable, bland kind of predictable kind of faith. You just kind of go through the motions and, and you start blaming the church and you start blaming the people around you or you start blaming God and you just kind of walk away from faith or you deprioritize faith and you deprioritize prioritize your relationship with other Christ followers. But that's not 
the real reason for any of those things of why your faith is drying up and waning and being deprioritized. It's that you have chosen comfortable and convenient and safety and security over taking a couple steps, courageous steps of faith that are going to cost you something. You have chosen to sit in a boat and hang on for dear life. But you know what? If you would take that courageous step of faith, you would see your faith come alive and you could experience things that only could be explained by God. Please hear me on this. There is a danger in getting out of a boat, but there is a greater danger in staying in it as well. Yeah, there are risks to getting out of a boat. But the greater risk is to sit in that boat clinging to the sides because it costs you your faith. It costs you experiencing God only could do this kind of moments in your life. And here's the cool thing. Peter was wise enough to realize that. So notice what he did. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, don't miss this. There were 12 guys sitting in that boat in those early morning hours. 12 guys who had spent time with Jesus. They knew Jesus. 12 guys who had experienced Jesus do something that only God could do. 12 guys who had the opportunity to move out in spite of their fear. 12 guys who could take a courageous step of faith that would cost them something and get out of the boat. But you know what? Only one of them did it. See, Peter trusted Jesus enough to leave what was safe and secure to experience something that was just absolutely supernatural. And because he chose to trust God, he got to experience walking on the water. He got to experience something in his life that could not be explained apart from God. Can you imagine being Peter and being able to tell that story? Now, now here's what I know. This is so important for you. To get from where you are now to where you want to be, it is going to require a courageous step of faith that costs you something. It's going to require you to let go of your boat and to leave your safety and security and follow Jesus in spite of your fear. But here's what else we know. If you refuse to do that, you will miss those life experiences, those God-only kind of experiences that God wants you to have in your life. And you'll never end up being where you want to be. And folks, I know this is scary. I know that it is scary to take a step of faith, a courageous step of faith that costs you something. I remember... <clears throat> When I started pastoring, and I, I've told you this story before, um, I, I never really wanted to ever pastor a church. I had my plan for my life. I, I was going to own a hardware and building supply and build homes and make a good life for my family. And I, I really didn't even like the church, you know, when I started pastoring the church. I just did it because I threw out this fleece, and I'm not saying you should do that. And, and God made it very evident that he showed up in that. And I'm like, oh, goodness, now i got to do this. 
And I did, and then I, I grew to love God and the church was because I began to realize the church was his body. And, and so then I was like, okay, if I'm gonna be a pastor, we're just not gonna have this boring church that doesn't care about people and doesn't love people. And because I, I grew up and, and I knew too many churches that were just boring and dying. And, and so I just started crying out to God with a lot of other people on our team at that time saying, God, help us understand. And God started opening up all these doors. And every one of them were like these courageous steps of faith. I mean, like moving from like acapella music to a band. That was a pretty courageous step of faith. I'll never forget when we had like this pulpit that was like eight feet wide. When I, when I would preach, if I wanted to rest my arms, I had to do like this. You know what I'm saying? So one day I was like, I just hate this wall. I could have gave that to Trump. But anyhow, I just hate this wall, you know? <clears throat> yeah. So I just, it's like, I hate this wall be between me, the people. And so one day, me and a buddy of mine, because I'm like, I was a con, you know, as a builder and everything, so we went and cut this thing down to like this wide. Whew. We had people leave the church over that. I kid you not. I'll never forget when we hung speakers in the ceiling for the first time. It's like we turned it, you know, people left the church because that was, I mean, everything was like this courageous step. And then we went from one service to two services. I'll never forget this lady meeting me in the grocery store going, you have destroyed our church. We don't even know everybody anymore. I'm like, there was 200 people in our church. You didn't know everybody anyhow. You have destroyed the body of Christ. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. You know, every time God, then we went from two services to three services at our like, Blunstown location. It's like, man, you know, people just like blew up. And then we went, you know, it was crazy. I mean, like when we went, when we went from one service to two service, we had like a hundred and some people leave the church. We were multi-site. We had like 200 people leave the church. Was, everything was, like every time God has tapped us on the shoulder and said, okay, guys, it's time for you to take another courageous step of faith. I mean, the greatest year of fear for me as a pastor was 2018 when, when God was like, okay, we, we want you to add two more campuses. I'm like, two? So Wakala and Fairhope, thank you for allowing me to take that step of faith. Because I mean, it was, yeah, that's right, applaud them, welcome them. I'm telling you, it was huge. Because I'm telling you, every step of faith that we've taken has, has had fear with it. And here's what I've discovered. The greater the step of faith, the greater the fear. But here's a lesson that I've learned through this whole process. The fear of stepping out of the boat, no matter how many times you do it, it's not going to go away. In fact, you might wanna write this down. You will feel fear, you will feel fear whether you're in the boat or not. And you go, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean by that. If you stay in the boat, and you hang on for safety and security, I mean, like, you're going to fear losing that safety and security because you're going to feel all the protection, all the pressure to, like, protect yourself. It's like, man, it's like, I got to protect my family and make sure I keep my kids around me because they're my life, or I got to protect my marriage, and we should protect our marriage and our family to a reasonable amount. But if there are security and our safety, then that's idolatry. Or I got to protect my career, 
and you feel all this pressure to hang on to whatever that is, safety or security for you. If you get out of the boat, you're going to feel fear fear as well. You're going to feel the fear of like being out of your comfort zone and walking on the water with like no guaranteed outcome, but at least you'll have the confidence that you're walking, as we saw in this passage, you're walking toward Jesus. And here's the cool thing. Whenever you walk toward Jesus, you have the promise that God is going to catch you. He's going to be there for you. And here's the other thing. You'll experience a God-sized story as you walk toward Jesus. In fact, I've discovered in my life, the only way you experience a God-sized story is to take another step toward Jesus. So let me ask you, what's God nudging you to do this year? Well, what step do you need to take? But you just won't let go of the boat. I mean, for some of you, it's like to let go of some of your money and possessions and doing something different with it because to help other people but you won't because you've been too scared. It's your safety and security, it's your boat. For some of you, it's to try to reconcile a relationship, but you're too scared. For some of you, it's to have an honest conversation with someone, but you keep avoiding it, and you walk around frustrated with that person, but you're too afraid to have the crucial conversation with them because you're paralyzed by fear, but you go around telling everybody else that they are to blame for your frustration. For others of you, It's to recommit to your marriage and and to go to counseling together and and maybe even change your schedule and the rhythm of your life so that you can invest in your relationship with God or your relationship with your spouse or your children, but like you've been way too afraid of that. For some of you, God's been nudging you to explore a personal relationship with him. Or maybe... He's been nudging you to take your relationship with him to the next level, to take another step toward him. But you keep resisting it. It's why you won't come consistently on Sundays because you don't want too much of the Holy Spirit or God's word in your life because that might be too convicting and, and require you to take that step. Or it's why you just, re, just resist being in a group or you resist going on like a short-term mission trip. I mean, it's why you won't read that book that a friend keeps recommending to you. It's like you are afraid of what you might discover. You are scared of what you might have to deal with or what you might have to change. Please hear me. 2019, God gives us, I think he's given us all an opportunity. But the thing you have to understand, it's like these God experience opportunities, they don't always last forever, so you don't want to miss it. Like Peter, if you read the story of Peter's life, he had one opportunity to walk on the water. It never happened again. If he had stayed in the boat, he would have completely missed that experience. See, this is your moment. God's inviting you into the opportunity of a lifetime, but you need to take that step while that opportunity is there. And so the question is this, will you let go of what you find or where you find your safety and your security? And would you take that courageous step of faith that cost you something? See, some of you are afraid, if I take that step of faith, then I'm afraid that I won't have enough faith to keep going, and I get that. And I think sometimes you're even right about that thought. Because see, obedience is no guarantee that you won't face more adversity. 
Here's the cool thing, though, and this, this is the good news in this. See, Peter walked on the water, but it didn't stop the wind and the waves. It's why he got scared, and he stopped trusting Jesus, and he started to sink. I mean, it's like, all of a sudden, it's like Peter was there, and now he's gone. But guess what Jesus did? I mean, he reached down, he grabbed him, and he didn't let Peter drown. And here's the cool thing. When you take that courageous step of faith that cost you something, here's the good news. And I've experienced it for 20-something years. And so one of the most powerful things in my life is I know every time I take that step of faith, it's filled with fear, but my faith has always grown and God has never let me drown. And he won't let you drown. See, don't worry about how big or how small your faith is. The size of your faith and trust, it doesn't matter. The object of your faith and trust is what matters. And Jesus is big enough to take care of you. See, the path from like where you are now to where you want to be in the end of 2019 is a courageous step of faith that is going to cost you something. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And yes, there's a danger in getting out of the boat, but there is a greater danger to your faith in staying in it as well. Listen, there, there were 12 guys in that boat that night. 11 of them reached the other side with a story to tell. They, they started forwarding emails to all their friends. You should hear this story. You should hear this. They started posting all on social media. Only one of them reached the other side with an experience to share. Listen, there is a difference between forwarding somebody's story, posting it on social media. Every time I get one of those, it makes me sad because of what I'm gonna tell you here, of something that somebody has seen or somebody else has experienced. There is a big difference in telling and sharing the story of someone else versus sharing an experience of something that you have lived with God. And some of you, as Christ followers, you have spent way too long in your Christian walk telling stories of what you're seeing God do in other people's lives. But you don't have a personal experience to share of what he's done in you. And that's so sad. Because God wants you to have that experience. So our wish for you in 2019 and it's like this whole 12-month period is that you will have some God-sized experiences of your own to share, some experiences that can only be explained by the fact that God showed up and he did something. See, our wish for you is that you will move ahead in spite of your fear, that you'll get out of the boat because every time you do, it becomes a little bit more likely that the next time God gives you another test, you will step out of the boat every time Jesus calls you. And it's not because the fear goes away, because ever the greater the step of faith, the greater the fear. But you kind of get used to living with the fear after a while, and you just come to Jesus, and you trust that Jesus is going to take care of you, and you trust Jesus more than you trust or you allow your fear to control you. Listen, listen. Whether you have a story to tell or an experience to share depends on your willingness, not the people around you, but your willingness to take a step of faith that costs you 
something. See, God wants every one of you to have more than a story to tell about somebody else. God wants you to have an experience to share. So what we're going to do today is is we're going to close out our talk just a little bit different. We're going to close it out with a song because we want to give you an opportunity on all of our campuses to make a decision. And the, the decision is, is that when God nudges you in 2019, that, that you'll take a step. For some of you, I mean, this is really up close and personal because God's been nudging you to take a step into a personal relationship with him. To say, God, I want you to be my sin forgiver. I want you to be my life leader. And so today I'm going to do that because that's the step that he's asking you to take be the best step you've ever taken. And so during this song, what will you do that? For others of you, it's just to say, God, I'm going to get out of the boat in 2019, and, and I'm going to take a step toward you. So on every one of our campuses, we, we want you just to sit right where you are. And this is your moment between you and God to say, God, Every time you nudge me in 2019, I am going to let go of the boat and I'm going to commit to you, God, to take a step. See, whether you have a story to tell of somebody else's life and what God did in their life or if you have a personal experience to share, it it really depends on your choice. For all of you on all of our campuses, it's time for you to get out of the boat and not just walk on water, but to walk toward Jesus.